Welcome to the Digital Workplace Podcast. These are conversations with CEOs of digital companies, thought leaders, and solution providers about how you can become a level five digital workplace. For the show notes and transcript of this episode, go to thedigitalworkplace.com. Welcome back to the Digital Workplace Podcast. Today, our guest is Allison Martin. She is the founder of Engage Mentoring. Hey, Allison, how are you doing today? Uh, Great, Neil. How are you? I'm doing well. We're both talked about how we're feeling that stress of meeting anxiety and busyness in the digital workplace, but that's the life right now, isn't it? It really is. It really is. So, Allison, one thing we do to make sure that as we bring guests in to ensure that you are a real-life human is we ask a CAPTCHA question to prove your humanity to go through. So I didn't prepare you for this, but here's your question to certify your humanness. What's the first thing you pack when you're going on a trip? Assuming that we're going on trips again soon, but like, what's the first thing that goes into your suitcase? Clothes. (laughs) I mean, that sounds so simple, but just picking out what outfits I'm going to wear based on the geography and where we're going is probably the hardest hurdle. And then everything else is supplemental to what I've picked out. So, yeah. Are you the type of person that like packs early or like just right before you leave? No, I actually just got back from an international trip a couple of weeks ago. The first one post COVID, um, we went uh-huh. to Greece and I was packing within hours of us taking off. I started packing. So yeah. I, I've taken for granted that I've gotten really good at it. So I just good. until the last minute. So excellent. Well, that, that sounds like a very human thing to say. So you, you are approved. <laughs> I appreciate the validation there. Yeah. Just in case you're wondering when you woke up today. Yeah. Uh, so, so Allison, tell us about engagement mentoring. What is it and how does it help companies? So Engage Mentoring, we're actually a platform that facilitates mentoring, as you might guess. Um, But the unique uh, uh, thing about what we do is we actually help companies do a better job of attracting, retaining, and developing diverse talent uh, through strategic mentoring initiatives. Um, So we we actually specialize in external mentoring programs where uh, we have partnered with national nonprofits that provide mentorship opportunities for diverse Uh, student populations. uh, And the uh, employers who sponsor our programs are able to uh, give their employees the opportunity to access mentors inside and outside of the company, while also impacting the next generation of future leaders by serving as mentors themselves and developing their leadership capacity even further. So the end result is companies not taking a one-size-fits-all approach to leadership development and and providing some unique opportunities for their diverse talent, uh, and also doing a better job of attracting new talent uh, in in the organization, which is such a critical thing for employers to be thinking about right now. When you think about like, what's the first problem that this solution solves for companies? Because you mentioned lots of different things. You talk about leadership development, you're talking about diversity, you're talking about just in general, increasing societal awareness. Like what's like the first play that people come to you and say like, can you help me solve this one thing? And then he's like, actually I can do lots of it. Absolutely. So diverse talent is twice as likely to leave statistically. Um, so they're, uh, they just tend to be, and especially if they don't feel supported, don't feel developed, um, and they don't see a path. Um, so they see a path elsewhere. Uh, and so we can help stop that. Uh, I mean, and, and it's a it's a real problem because obviously it impacts your bottom line. Um, and what happens is, is you know, if, if diverse talent comes into the organization, they look up, they don't see a path, uh, and they re- leave as a result, you know, that that's going to continue to happen. So you spin your wheels trying to bring in 
and diversity into your organization because you know not only is it good for business, it's, it's also the right thing to make sure that your employee population is reflective of the communities you serve. Um, but you know that is the most at-risk talent if you're not really investing in the development. And, and I, I would say particularly access to relationships. Um, so over the past year especially, uh, DE&I has bubbled up to the surface in companies where prior previously they weren't really doing a whole lot, right? So you've got companies in one camp who have been trying a lot of different things over the years and trying to move the needle and, and create environments that are supportive of the advancement of, of people from a variety of different backgrounds. You've got other companies sort of in the camp of, of it being more of a recent priority. Um, but in, in either case, uh, I, I believe access to relationships needs to be a critical part of that strategy. So mentoring is a nice to have if you're just looking at it as a generic sort of leadership development opportunity. But when you consider diversity and access to relationships being a critical piece of that strategy and the fact that they are twice as likely to leave, uh, I believe that that mentoring actually is not a nice to have, but a need to have when you think about it from that lens. Um, so the problem that we can solve or, or help solve is is the fact that a diverse talent is, is the most at-risk population for for leaving. So from a retention perspective, that's where um, employers are really, many employers are really struggling. What are some signals that you find whenever you're interacting with companies for the first time that suggest to you, okay, this company is taking it seriously and they have a good shot at figuring this out versus, oh, this sounds like it, they're just like going through the motions because they feel like they have to? I think the first piece is the fact that they're measuring. Um, so if I ask an employer, you know, what is what is your retention rate? What is what does it look like from a diversity perspective? Um, I, I think even knowing those numbers is a strong in indicator to me that they're not only assessing that, but they're really taking a look at it. Um, the second piece is is that they have um, they have some some staffing, some dedicated staffing that are really looking at this, um, and and that they have a strategy in place or they're actively working on you know what their strategy is. So I, I would say metrics as well as the strategy are the two indicators to me that they're really taking it seriously um, and they're. Um, they have goals attached to what it is they're trying to accomplish. Unpack this idea of access to relationships a little bit more. If that is one of the key drivers of whether somebody's going to stay in a company or not, apart from the diversity discussion, like why are relationships so important and specifically access to those relationships? Well, it's it it hits on the key drivers of employee engagement. So there there's an old question that I used to chuckle at when I back when I worked in industry and I, I took one of those employee engagement surveys that asked if you had a best friend at work. And the the driver behind that was, you know, do you have someone at work that you feel like you can confide in? Do you have someone at work who cares about you as a person and cares about your development? So we were all sort of scoffing at this idea of no, my best friend was from college. I don't have a best friend at work. Um, <laughs> but but the idea there is you have someone that you you can confide in at work. And so that is universally needed for everyone. And, and mentoring and access to relationships actually hits on many of the key drivers that, that um, you know, that indicate whether an employee is, is engaged. So do I have someone at work who cares about my development? Do I feel like I'm supported enough to do my best work? Do I feel like I have, you know, development opportunities and, and that I have uh, places I can go to if I need a question answered, those types of things. Um, so again, and I'm going back to sort of the, the lens of diversity, um, if you don't mind for a second. Um, yep. If you don't formalize the mentoring process within an organization, uh, 
organizations will tend to perpetuate themselves um, in terms of, of gender and ethnicity makeup. And the reason for that is not anything malicious, but the, the, just the reality is we tend to mentor and sponsor younger versions of ourselves mm-hmm. um, just naturally. Right. So, so we know that people move up in an organization based on access to relationships, sponsorship, and, and people who, you know, sort of know their, their uh, capabilities and are, are willing to sponsor them into advanced roles. And so if you have a, a senior leadership team that, um, that is not terribly diverse, that's going to tend to naturally perpetuate itself unless you do put some things in place that allow uh, people to access relationships that might not otherwise have naturally occurred. It's not, it's not malicious intent. It's, it's truly just how we connect and how we identify with others and, and what we tend to do as we're you know, kind of thinking about how do we impact the next generation. And what's the difference between formalizing these mentorship type things where it's like, hey, this is your person, this is your your sponsor, your your mentor that's going through versus like going in and, and trying to change the mindset or uh, of of those who are in leadership um, from a monoculture type perspective and saying, hey, you just go go find somebody. These are some loose rules. Let's make it really organic, organic and fun. Like talk about the difference between the formal and informal relationships. Sure. It's both and. Um, so it, I think it's important to uh, teach unconscious bias and also teach the hallmarks of how to be a good mentor, particularly to your senior leadership, and to encourage them to be intentional in seeking out those relationships and, and also be intentional about reaching outside of their comfort zone. Uh, in a formalized mentor, a good formalized mentoring process, uh, there is um, the ability for, for mentees to do those selections and to also have the same encouragement. Uh, mentees, by the way, have the same uh, sort of proclivity is is uh, mentees often tend to want to uh, uh, connect with somebody who's 20 years out in front of them, checks the same diversity category, ideally followed the same career path to really get that perspective. And so yeah. we have to encourage it on both sides. Um, and uh, that's where uh, my good friend, Amy Wanninger, she, she does some work in that area of even just taking a look at uh, how diverse is your is your personal board of directors, right? So we can all be challenged to really take a fresh look at who you spend your most time with and and how diverse is that group of people? Um, because I think the more well-rounded individuals have more diverse perspectives uh, in a variety of fashions. So to answer your question directly, I think uh, either, it's not an either or, it's a both and. Um, so I think encouraging that those informal mentoring structures to, you know, raise some conscious awareness around how are you seeking those out and, and through what lens are you looking, um, but also giving sort of a formal opportunity for people to make those connections in a really, uh, you know, ease, uh, an easier manner, I guess, um, in, uh, in, in having those in place, I think does a lot to really build a culture in an organization. Let me put you on the spot a little bit here. Imagine that there's a relationship, a mentoring relationship between an older white male, cisgendered guy that's out there, and let's just say a younger Latina woman who's come in, got a lot of great stuff going for her. They say, okay, we're going to set up this mentoring relationship. What are the things that, if you could like be in those conversations and hear what's going on, what are the big advantages you feel like on both sides that both can teach each other in the business world that they would need to learn, not to stereotype what, what everyone knows about those things, but just in general, what would you feel like those discussions, the most productive discussions would look like? 
Right. So I think uh, on both sides, uh, it's, it's really preparing them for those discussions and getting really clear about what the mentees development opportunities are. Uh, and on the mentor side, really asking good questions, sharing relevant experiences that are particularly related to that mentees development opportunities, um, but also being open and, and asking good questions and really getting to know one another as well. Because I would say, for, so and actually there's statistical data that shows that being a mentor actually does more to develop your leadership capacity than than being a mentee. Uh, and the reason for mm-hmm. that is it allows you to develop empathy, develop perspective, really uh, get to know people who who you know have had a different life experience and a different career path than you, um, and and to really kind of uh, to, to develop more empathy in that way. So I would say for the mentor, it's it's really an opportunity to to view you know a, perhaps a, a little bit of a different perspective and a different career path, but at the same time, it should always be centered on what the mentee really needs from a developmental perspective and not assuming that either. Um, So really understanding what, in this case, what her goals are um, and uh, asking good questions and sharing relevant experiences on on that, um, you know, on that front. Um, And I think for the Mm -hmm. mentee in this scenario, just making sure that uh, she's really prepared ahead of time to, uh, again, um, really focused on what she hopes to accomplish from the relationship to what she hopes to better understand and based on what the mentor, um, what their experience is and, and what their career path has been, um, getting really clear about some good questions to ask um, as a way to really, you know, better understand from that perspective as well. You know, I think that, you you know, you highlighted very specific sort of um, gender or uh, ethnicity identifiers, gender and ethnicity. And, and I think at the end of the day, it's not really that different. It really truly is about just getting to know the person. So you you did a check with me earlier to make sure I was a human. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, mm. and at our core, we are all human. Um, and so I think that the fact that we you know, use certain identifiers in order to dictate who we spend our most time with and who we have most in common with. I, I find that when you, you know, really get to know somebody at their core, um, we're not that different. Yeah, it's almost like humanizing those markers and just saying like, yeah, we do have differences and there's a history behind those differences. Mm-hmm. But to recognize that, yeah, we all have very similar things about us, but also recognizing the differences, it's complicated, right? It is. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the digital nature of mentoring. We're here talking in 2021. A mentoring program like you're discussing would have been great to have in 1960 to be able to put that in place. But we're here talking, you know, 60 years later. What are the advantages that we can take advantage of right now in a digital world, in a digital age, when we have all these tools at our disposal that actually give us an opportunity to do this even better than we could have done before? Mm-hmm. Well, there's multiple things there, and I can unpack. And as you said, we're we're we are currently in 2021, uh, and uh, so on the uh, heels of, of 2020, where uh, you know the opportunity to get together in person was not even available, right? And and we hope that never happens again. However, uh, what we also saw in terms of trends was um, EAP, which is um, an employee's ability to connect to mental health professionals and that sort of thing. Quad, the the uses quadrupled in 2020. So the need for connectivity was really significant when we were all kind of working in isolation. Um, we're hoping that things are sort of normalizing a little bit more. But but the the fact that many people are working remotely, they're not working in an office where you know they're able to walk down the hall and and, and connect with others. That that need for connectivity is still there. And so being able to offer a program like this, where it doesn't require people to meet in person, um, it also opens up the opportunity for you to connect with people from a lot of other different geographies 
communities and that sort of thing. And I think that, uh, you know, as the world kind of gets smaller, I think there's a lot of value there too. Um, so a lot of times when we seek out mentoring relationships, we want somebody who's, you know, in our backyard that we can go and meet in person and, and have coffee with. But um, the way that our program is, um, you know, is structured, it allows you to connect by phone or by video conferencing and really build a relationship that way. Uh, and it opens up a whole world of possibility to really, again, develop empathy and understand what it's like to live in certain parts of the country and those types of things. Um, and so that's where I think our our, our program um, really rises to meet a need. And as you said, it could have been useful in the 1960s. We didn't know that then. Um, but I think particularly for the reasons that I identified earlier, um, it's it's um, it's it's very useful now. And, and the way that it's administered uh, allows for a lot of um, access um, without having to to go meet in person as, as previously we would have expected a mentor or mentee to do. You talked earlier about external mentoring. Let's go back to that topic and what that means for a company. How can they get involved in that? Yeah. Um, well, and so at Engage Mentoring, we teach this idea of, of the four mentors you must have, which include um, someone who you aspire to be more like, someone who can advise you on your career path, so a career mentor, uh, someone who um, is a peer mentor. Um, so those are often the most overlooked is having someone who does a job relatively similar to yours, but uh, that you can kind of let your hair down and really grow in your current role that you currently occupy uh, more effectively. And then finally, a, a competency-based mentor, so someone who can help you with specific leadership competencies. Um, so having said all that, the, um, the, the internal mentoring programs can really help with, you know, connecting you to someone who maybe occupies a position you'd like to hold in the future or can advise you on the corporate culture and kind of help, help you get the lay of the land and also, you know, give you some additional visibility. External mentoring programs, I think, not only serve the need of, of helping with kind of shoring up specific competencies, but also just giving you the opportunity to, to let your hair down and, and be maybe even a little bit more free in, in what your challenge with, you know, in terms of how do I navigate specific situations, then perhaps you can be with an internal mentoring program. Um, so I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of validity to having both. Um, and so having, you know, access internally for the reasons that we identified earlier, but having an external network that really is there to support you and, and help you achieve your goals um, with an outside perspective that um, isn't um, clouded by internal politics, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. What are some uh, like success stories you've seen come from those types of relationships? There's so many. Uh, so I hear, <laughs> I hear, I mean, I hear a lot. I literally was just working with a client yesterday and our client liaison actively participates in the mentoring program. And she was talking about, she's Indiana based and she was talking about, you know, her mentor being from California and, and, you know, that, um, and also from a very different industry and how, you know, she was surprised that it worked. Right. So it, it just, um, because our, our mentoring is actually, um, the, the relationships are, matched based on topics. So in other words, I can say, I want to work on my public speaking skills and I want to connect to, you know, a mentor. And uh, I can also apply additional identifiers if I wanted to, or I just can use that to connect. And so the basis of our conversations are going to be about learning about that particular skill or competency. Um, and all the competencies are non-industry specific. So it allows, um, you know, people to connect. So I hear a lot of the, uh, the, the I, I think the most common theme I hear is, you know, when the initial connection was made, you know, it didn't seem like, um, 
you know, a traditional mentor, you know, the idea that you have in your mind is someone, like I said earlier, 25 years out in front of you, follows the same career path and checks the same diversity category. And so I hear a lot of the, you know, when the initial requests came through or the initial connection was made, I wasn't sure exactly what we were going to have in common. But as we got to know each other, you know, it, it was just evident how not only did I feel like I was able to help this person, but also I learned more about that particular industry, which was a benefit to me as well. Um, so mm. I think the common um, theme that I hear, and I, I mean, you asked for specific success stories. Um, you know, we've had students who have made connections with mentors um, that resulted in internships. Um, one of our partners in Indiana in, in particular is the Commission for Higher Ed, which allows all the 21st century scholars to have access to our mentoring program. And um, we've had some great success with that. Um, I've had, uh, we have some um, really active, there's there's one gentleman in particular as a CEO of uh, a credit union who actively participates and he just loves, loves, loves connecting with, whether it's a college student or other employees from other industries. And, and it's just a, a huge advocate of, you know, and I mean, just the value of being able to make those connections from a mentor perspective um, and, and impact someone else's life and career in an hour per month, you know, is is something that's pretty incredible. So, um, so and, and he's also talked about what how this has really impacted the culture in his workplace and in his establishment with the, his employees. So um, lots of success stories like that. And we love we love hearing those. Um, yeah. And, you know, for us to be able to look at um, how do we help students really make those connections um, to potential employers in a meaningful way um, and help them successfully transition into the workplace. Ultimately, that's what we're driving towards is helping employers do a better job, you know, not taking one size fits all approach with their employees, but, you know, attracting and, and uh, you know, developing the, the next generation of talent too. Allison, as I think about the dynamic of what mentoring is and how it goes through one, one fear I have, or as, as I think about myself out, out in the future is, like if I'm going to be a mentor, again coming back to the idea, okay, I'm I'm a, a white male. How do I avoid just teaching somebody else? Hey, here's how you be a white male in the world of business, and like trying to replicate myself, even if you look differently than me, if you come from a different background. Instead, really trying to be inclusive of recognizing that some things in the business world need to change, or it's not just about here's how I was successful. Just do what I did, and it'll work for you. Like, how can people like me break those assumptions? Well, I think it's a lot of listening. I think that's part of it, right? So it's it's um you know we've we've all had uh, our various paths, and so I think the opportunity is really to to get to know one another. And and there are you know again uh, many things that you bring to the table in terms of reflecting on your own life experiences, and that's what it's all about. So being a mentor is sharing sharing perspectives, sharing experiences based on you know, based on your particular journey, not necessarily telling somebody what to do, right? So I think, um, you know, the real opportunity is is both sharing and listening, um, you know, in that, in that respect. Um, the other thing that I would mention here too is typically mentees seek out mentors. Mentors don't go knocking down people and saying, hey, I want to mentor you. Um, and so, you know, but... Um, I think the sort of being an open leader, being accessible to people, being um, also, you know, little things. Um, I'll share with you, we had, um, so we have, a, we, we partner with the Point Foundation to serve LGBTQ uh, students in our program. And uh, one of the students who connected with uh, one of the uh, participants in our program 
happens to be a chief diversity officer, but she was sharing that um, that the the student who connected with her was trans, and um, and so the the person that connected uh, that was you know the mentor in this scenario um, had the pronoun pronouns after her name, um, and that's why she was selected was because she she kind of figured that was an indicator that she was safe, um, and I think so. I think there's a lot of things that we can do as individuals to really demonstrate inclusivity um, and and accept accessibility and also just to demonstrate that we are um, open um, to to sharing our, our, our you know perspective with others so um, you know I, I was you know kind of beating up people earlier for tending to mentor and sponsor younger versions of ourselves but you know it is what we tend to do um, but there are yeah. a lot of ways to be um, to demonstrate openness and inclusivity that will attract mentees that will not only will we be able to help and impact, but but that will open up our own perspectives and um, and really, you know, get to learn more about other people's journeys. That's great. Allison, I love what you're doing. I feel like the whole business model, the idea of mentoring is, is very much a shift towards a more human-centric workplace, which is definitely something we advocate for and appreciate the work that you're doing. Where can people go if they want to learn more about using your services or, or becoming a mentor or how can they get involved? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Neil. They can visit engagementoring.com. Uh, and we have programs uh, that are you know, help workplaces. Um, so that's the area I'm actually responsible for. Um, we also now have uh, ways for individuals to get involved in mastermind groups that allow them to uh, not only connect to mentors, but learn how to be a mentor themselves as well. So uh, there's a, a few different ways to engage. Uh, but if you visit our website at engagementoring.com, you'll be able to learn more. Great. We'll put that in the show notes. Allison, thanks for being on the show. We look forward to hearing from you again soon. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate the opportunity. This has been the Digital Workplace Podcast. If you liked it, please take a minute to leave a review wherever you are. Go to thedigitalworkplace.com and sign up for our twice a month newsletter. It keeps you up to date on the best ways to build a level five digital workplace. Music for the show is provided by City of Sound. I'm your host, Neil Miller. Keep moving forward.